y'all. Welcome back to BWS, better known as Black Women Snitching. I'm Ayana Monet. I'm Evelyn. I'm Ariel, and let's get into it. Okay, so today we're going to start with our check-in question, and it is, what is one thing you've learned about yourself recently? One thing you've learned about yourself recently? That is a really good question. Um, I would say I've learned with the help of Ayana and Ariel that I may be a perfectionist. And I don't think that's a bad thing, but I am learning how to navigate what my perfection looks like to me, may not look like perfection to other people. And so I'm kind of learning how to let people move and do things at their own pace and me understand that instead of trying to perfect that for them because perfection is relative um and so i'm also reading this book called untamed that is helping me understand that the rules of society my rules don't apply to other people and society's rules don't apply to me and so if i don't want people to hold me to a certain standard that i don't even hold myself to i shouldn't hold them to that so i think in a long-winded type of way, that is what I learned about myself recently. Well, that's okay. Yeah, that's good. Listen, <clears throat> I think for me, the first step is admitting you have a problem. Oh Listen. my, we're not gonna do that right now. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. Um, I think for me, one thing that I've learned about myself. Ooh, excuse me. <clears throat> um is reflecting on my attachment styles and what type of partner that I was in the past with with spouses or partners um and learning from that um I was reading this post on IG today and it every every one of the the slides was kind of like yeah I do that yeah I do that and finding and realizing that I used to be an avoided partner that shuts down, distracts, and retreats, and defends herself when coming um, against my person in an argument or any type of like, what is it? What is it called, y'all? Argument. Like a, like a disagreement. Disagreement. A Thank y'all. Any type of conflict, like, yeah, I will shut down, defend, like distract, and retreat. Yeah. And so I was taking things a lot, like very personal, like instead of taking it as like, hey, this person is telling me how they feel, I was taking it as like a criticism. Uh, and okay. so it's like not saying like, my partner has a problem with, with this action that I do, but instead saying like, my partner has a problem with me. Yes. Mm. And taking and so it So you're on. internalizing every single- Yes. Um, you know who you sound like? You sound like uh, Malcolm and Malcolm and Maria because he took it personally when she's like, dude, I just want you to say thank you. That's it. That's he it. was like, no, I'm about to fight you now. <laughs> I'm about to crush your soul. But the, the crush your soul part is not even me. I'm gonna take a sip <laughs> on that one um, because I am Ariel's friend in real life. So I'm gonna just use my mic. Um, okay. Oh. I, don't, I don't believe that I'm always like attacked. No, I don't believe that. I know that I can oh, be no. cutthroat. Yeah. I can be, like, I, I can admit that I can be. your limit, 
I push think you a corner. That is the place. Yes. It's kind of like, the like a rabbit. Place. Like a rabbit. When a rabbit is pushed in a corner, I Honestly, try not to I be. I'm your friend, so I know your stories, but also I know your growth too. And so, like, I've, no, really, like, I've seen your For growth real? and I've seen, like, you probably could have not held your tongue, but I've, like, watched you hold your tongue and not say what you could have said. So I do take that back. But I do know your stories, and you used to be about that life. But you are listen. I'm still about that life. Half grown. <laughs> yes. Ain't no killer, but don't push her. <laughs> listen, Ayana, that's a good question. What about you? What have you learned from yourself? And I shared this. We do like that. Um, we've been getting up early together in the mornings, and like if we do journaling, sometimes we share with each other things like that. And so I shared something, I don't know if it was last week, I don't really remember, but I was journaling and it was, the prompt was from, so my journaling prompt was coming from my We're Not Really Strangers self-reflection kit. And the first question that I did was, what were some lessons that you learned from your previous relationships, good or bad? And, you know, I went through the whole prompt and I think as I, and I'm one of those people that like, as I write, I just like, I'm, I'm more of a free flowing type of when I journal and I like, I just go and start writing and whatever truth I have to tell will come out eventually. And so, and I don't know if y'all know, cause I let them read it. And so I don't know if y'all noticed that when y'all read it, but it's like, it's like, as I'm reading, as I'm writing, I'm like reflecting and like the truth is just coming out. And when I got to the end of this prompt, what I came to the realization of, I've been seeking and trying to get relate the type of relationship that people tell me I should want, you know, and I've been seeking the type of men that society tells me I should want, right, and I've been putting energy into something that I don't even particularly care to do at this point in my life right now, like, in all honesty, like, I could take or leave a partner because I am so focused on figuring myself out and getting myself together and healing my wounds, you know? And so by the end of the journaling prompt, I really just came to what my previous relationships and the lessons I've learned, what it's taught me and what I've realized is I'm not ready. That's not where I'm at. That's not what I want right now. And that's okay. Yes, I agree. I, and that's what, when you said I'm not ready, I wanted to be like, and that is okay. I think because people say they're not ready, we always look and say, well, what do we need to do to get you ready? What areas of yourself do you need to work on so you can be complete by getting a man? You are already complete. If you yep. choose to continue to work on yourself and you feel like you don't ever need a relationship, you know, that is fine too. So yes, again- I want to chime in. <clears throat> I, I agree with the both of you all um, and not being ready or not wanting to, that doesn't mean that you're less than a woman. My, my aunt, <clears throat> excuse me, my aunt came to me and was like, well, Ariel, do you want kids? And I was like, yeah. Well, when are you going to start having them? Excuse me? Because I'm about to roll around. 30 like yeah I'm hitting 30 this year and I don't have kids nor a partner and I'm okay with that I don't want that right now I want to make sure that I am good healthy happy content growing and loving myself fully 
before somebody else is involved in the picture because when somebody else is involved in the picture that attention that love and affection that I give myself I can I can still do that do that for myself but I have to split that time to to make sure that they're feeling their love language is being fulfilled as well and I want to be selfish right now I think that question and that's always, okay that question always makes me emotional not for myself well for myself and for the other women who have to hear it because often we hear it from the people who are closest to us who mean it out of love and mm -hmm. I've had to have that conversation several times with my parents you know with people closest to me well Evelyn like you're hitting that age when are you going to do this or when are you going to do that because what you're not meaning to say but what you're saying is I'm not enough and I am enough as I am by myself and if I choose to continue, you know, my legacy, that will be enough too. And so it's not to say that I don't want that, but it is to say that I'm not willing to settle for that. And I've had that conversation so many times, like since I probably turned 25, it gets to the point where it's in your head that there's this ticking clock, but that's just, that's not how we live our lives anymore. You know, back in the day, you needed a man because you were considered his property. You needed a man because mm -hmm. you couldn't work, so you needed someone to take care of you. I am a fully educated, grown-ass Black woman, and I am, mm. I can take care of myself. And so I seen this uh, video on Instagram, and it was this man. He said, well, my daddy told me if they grown and they don't got no kids, then something must be video. wrong. Yeah, and the woman goes, well, tell your tell daddy. Tell your daddy. Tell your daddy. <laughs> that woman is educated, getting Thank her shit together. And so she can pick her kids up in the bins and not having them taking public transportation. And mm -hmm. not that there's anything wrong with that, but tell your daddy I'm getting my shit together and don't clock my uterus, period. Tell your Thank daddy you. you on my business. Don't, don't do, do that. that. <laughs> Mind your own reproductive systems. Thank you. Thank you. Listen, oh y'all, I'm about to go on a tangent, but I'm not okay. Listen, that's what we can that can be a whole other episode, and we probably should make it one. We really should listen because I'm talking about how like men being women business about everything, but don't want to talk about how you ain't been stepping to nobody's clinic to get STD screening, or about Ooh. how you balding and you ain't even 30 yet. Mm -hmm. No, I'll do I'll that. Because who gonna take care of these kids? You over okay? here fishing. Like, who gonna buy the milk? Who gonna buy the Pampers? Is you gonna you do that? Because when I put you on child support, then I'm wrong. Right. Listen, but you can't even pick your child. But this master's kids. did not pay for itself. So come to the table with something more than you want a child. Like, and, I'm sorry. And well, these kids are bold. They are bold. They like, you will make a great mother. But would I make a great wife? Because you're exactly. not the same language I'm talking. Yes, ma'am. Right. Speaking of. Would I make out, a great partner? Because I'm, t no, I don't want to be a baby mama. I Ariel and baby I mama refuse. does not even belong in the same sentence. Shout because out to my unless, mother, to y'all's mothers who, you know, yes. eat it by themselves or doing mm -hmm. it by themselves. I mm -hmm. feel like I've learned so much from her. You know, but I don't want to struggle in that way. But I don't want yes, to. Yes, ma'am. That. That's not my story. And she made sure that it didn't have to be my story. Correct. And so, yes, it does hurt when, you know, those we love come up like, you know, you get into that age and is. Okay. <laughs> Hello. I'm going to be, I'm I'm gonna be the, the 60 year old at the high school graduation, straight kicking it. 
with my kid with a new Benz, new car, because I can do that because I'm serious. And they mama says 25. And it, Listen, I'm I don't know how the check-in question got to that. But <laughs> all of that. We it's have fun. Because this is, this is us and this is the truth. So right. what are we throwing in the group chat? So I'm going to bring in the group chat about Tessica finally getting her hair um, released from the Gorilla Glue uh, by a Black doctor who used acetone, aloe vera, and a medical grade uh, bonding remover. Yeah. Yeah. And so, yeah. And he saved her edges. He saved the edges. Yes. I'm trying to buy now. She he did it pro bono, is Correct. what I'm mm-hmm. here's the thing though. Unpopular opinion. I know people feel bad for her, and who of us have not made hair mistakes? I just trimmed my hair last night and it went horribly wrong. But I knew not to put gorilla glue in my hair, also. Because I've heard that this woman is an educator. And so knowing that I know she can read. And so she started but, a whole group. And so here's my here's my um, only defense. Here's my only defense. Because there is a product, the Gorilla Snot product. It does is. have a, and if you're in a hurry, okay, let's say homegirl was in a hurry and just grabbed the wrong thing, right? Regardless, she waited a whole month before she went to the internet with this. Like she had gone to the hospital, she had contacted everyone she knew. And no one could help her. So her only recourse was to go to the internet. Her only recourse. And she got the help she needed. Okay. Let's, and let's $10,000 something dollars too. $10,000 that she did not need because this and doctor is going to do a wig. Let's break that down. So you said she was in a rush. There is Gorilla Snot. Now, Gorilla Snot is in the ethnic hair care section at Walmart. Okay. Gorilla Glue is by the outdoor section at Walmart. The hardware. <laughs> okay. Um, so maybe she got those mixed up in the store. Okay. Let's say she did. Let's say she was buying plants in the hardware and was like, I'm gonna put this on my edges. Cool. She grabs it and then she grabs Gorilla Snot, whatever, whatever. She should have came home and read it and she should have put that in her garage. That's what should have happened. But that didn't happen. Now, she went to the internet. I do not blame her for going to the internet. That's We always Google it and see if it's a thing on the internet. Someone asked her, did you call the Gorilla Glue Company and ask them? She was like, no, I didn't. Okay, that's whatever. I don't mind that she made this mistake. What I do mind, though, is you finna take 10000 plus of them dollars that somebody sent you and do what with? Because if this man did it for free, what you doing with my money? All right, because I don't give people money when they make mistakes. People don't give me money when I make mistakes. I'm sorry, I'm bitter. I'm for real. I'm bitter about it. I'm not gonna sue Sally because I trimmed my hair and my hair is uneven now <laughs> because they sold me the, the. The thing is, <laughs> the thing is, the money was not from the company. It was from people who wanted to help her donate. Like so, like, yeah, she set up a GoFundMe, but I. Like I'm thinking she said to go find me before she knew that it was pro bono work from okay. the doctor. Correct. And that's and what happened. Are and then somebody want to get a refund. <laughs> 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 and 
I guess if they ask for one. I mean, yeah. And then also, like, my thing is, like, <laughs> somebody said that she was going to sue, like, the Gorilla Glue company, but, like, from I what I hear, heard that she, she had never, that, she was like, I've rumor. never, she was like, I've never said that. Like, yeah, so mm-hmm. it was a rumor going around saying she's going to sue them. But also, talking about Gorilla Glue, a man in Louisiana put Gorilla Glue on his lip, y'all. And Gorilla Glue to cup his lip because she thought that girl was lying. Lord. And lost the see, top people. half of his lip. It is Black History Month, and I don't the like running that's going on here. Foolery. Not this February, not this short 28 days. Why? I I don't <laughs> understand. Yeah, no, that was, yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, I want to <laughs> be empathetic because I am working on myself to be more empathetic, to be more, you know, let me show compassion. But I just don't have it to give. I would not <laughs> give her not one red cent to be like, you put the little glue in your hair. <laughs> She said not one red cent. Not one this Black History Month to help her with that. And Gorilla Glue, if they if she sues y'all, I have not nan a law degree, but I will represent you. (laughs) Eyes not seen, ears not heard. No, your honor. No cap. (laughs) That was stupid. Like. Listen, but shout out to the doctor, Black Excellence. Okay, absolutely. Speaking of Black Excellence, what have y'all been doing to celebrate your 2021 Black History Month? I am um, reading Hood Feminism by Mickey Kendall, and the author is an alum of the university. Um, so that's something. So that's been interesting. And they, the author is coming to campus next month. And so, well, not coming to campus, but doing like a virtual talk at the campus. And so our university library system is like helping put this on and sharing out the information. So I wanna, the goal is to finish the book by the time the author's here so that I can actually engage in the dialogue and like talk about what I learned from the book because y'all I'm like one page into chapter one literally and I've never y'all know how I am about putting marks in books I've been highlighting in this book this is the only book I've ever put a highlighter to that was not a textbook that book is my holy grail it is like bible then hood feminism because literally book listen it not only that book is for everyone if you are not a black woman listening to this, it read me to filth. And I oh, am yeah. the person it's talking about and directed to. <laughs> yeah. I love that book. So shout out to feminism. I'm currently on chapter five, the Audible. And I was in the nail shop today listening and she's talking about like arguing arguing with her grandfather about her body. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, and her husband about like uh like gender roles. I'm just mm-hmm. like listen let me just turn this off because i have a male take doing my nails right <laughs> just went, might wanna <sighs> spoiler alert her stepfather the man who raised her yeah asked um i believe she was getting like an operation done a hysterectomy and he was like how does your husband feel how does your husband feel <laughs> and she was just like 
this ain't my husband's body, period. Like, it doesn't matter how he feels. Um, but I, I love that book. It reads me the filth each and every time. And it continuously reminds us until the least of us, the people who are looked at as the least of them all are secured and taken care of, then the ones who are, you know, already secured and taken care of their rights, their privileges are all still compromised. And so like, especially when she speaks to the Me Too movement and how Anita Hill, like, that's why I have conflicting issues about Joe Biden, about when, you know, we call out these white men, we call out these people, we call out these predators, but y'all wasn't doing anything until a white woman began to cry, you know? Mm -hmm. And that's how it always goes. And we gotta stop doing that because if it makes it up the way to the white man crying, we are in trouble. So just take care of us. Because if you take care of us, then everybody will be taken care of. Is all she's trying to say. Period. Because there's there's no currently there is no true equitable system in this country. Mm. And we are continuously at a disadvantage. And by we, I mean people of color in in general. Mm -hmm. But particularly women of color. Like trans women trans black women in particular mm-hmm. are it is re, even even in the introduction the author talks about how the statistics are ridiculously skewed because they don't even include a lot of the assaults and attacks that right. happen to trans black women because those are not the victims that mm-hmm. they are that they choose to report on it's respectability yep. po- politics. And so Correct. if you are not living the life that society told you that is right, then your rights and your privileges don't deserve to be rights and privileges. So I'm really passionate about that. And so I do read up on you know the LGBTQ community, things that they struggle with, because I do want to be an ally. I do want to be an advocate. And so when it comes to trans Black women who are getting murdered and no one is saying anything, mm-hmm. that hurts my heart. Because who are you fighting for if you're not fighting for everyone? And so yourself, feminism, someone says feminism, Black feminism is not white feminism and Blackface. So if even cis women are not fighting for the least among us, then we're not doing our job. And I know that's hard to say, especially for black women, because we do so much already. So it's hard to say, but it's true. Like feminism is not truly feminism if we're not fighting for all. And people can disagree with that. But they shouldn't. (laughs) They can, They can. but they shouldn't. Because I understand it is exhausting as a black woman to always, always fight for Yes, everyone. it is. It is so exhausting. And then barely have energy to fight for yourself. And barely have day. energy to fight for yourself. But I think if feminist, feminism should encompass it all. And it's okay if you're not a feminist. I don't, you know, particularly think I'm a feminist in some, you know, mindsets. Because, you know, Evelyn don't be at all the rallies, don't be advocating for all the things, but I do try to be inclusive to all. But that was a great point, Ayana. I love that book, so I'm sorry to go off on that tangent. Ariel, how are you celebrating Black History Month? This month, so it's small things from changing my hairstyles every day with my coworkers. Because okay, so one of my counterparts, she did a um, code switching um, professional development. 
Um, but she talked about black hair in particular. And so talking about how we have to navigate a professional world with trying to maintain our hair, making sure that our hair looks the part. And so it wasn't until after the professional development, which is my department, which is a majority white department, was like, oh my gosh, I didn't know that this was a real thing. I didn't know this was going on. I'm sorry that, you know, you're experiencing this. It's like, you can't. Okay, I understand what you're saying. And you can't, like, don't apologize for what your ancestors put into place some years ago. And you can help break down the foundation and make it, you know, make us equitable with one another. And so I've been messing their mind up with changing my hair every day. (laughs) It's like, you don't have to apologize. I'm glad you brought that up. It's stop choosing to benefit from the system mm-hmm. without saying that you're benefiting from it, you know? Exactly. Um, I don't know if y'all seen this, but the Shade Room posted where Justin Timberlake decided to apologize to, to Janet Jackson and Britney, and Britney Spears. Y'all already know from the couple episodes ago, I don't mess with your boy Justin. Because speaking of cold switching, he sure does utilize it, right? When he wants I'm to go back sexy back. No, and I'm still offended for him He's to trying to go back to black whenever it's beneficial right and so he apologized to janet and i'm like what's your post on instagram do? because you made janet miss out on a lot of her points mind you janet was the reason you're in the industry because you opened for her tour so it's like what else what else are you doing um but i don't need I wanna, you sorry i want i want clarity on that like what happened to where he made her lose out on money so the Super Bowl. Well, uh, he ripped her like nip slip. Yes. yes. So basically, and exposed her nipple to the universe. She was. What do you call it when someone gets blacklisted? Blacklisted. She was blacklisted, and so people were blaming her for like, oh, there was children watching it. I remember vividly because I was in fifth grade. Um, and so it was hard for her to like, you know, integrate herself back into mainstream. She even like went, went across the country and married another like a prince and stuff yeah, like that. She went overseas. So, she was Had twins. Yeah, she was out of the public uh, eye for a long, long time because they blamed her for that. Meanwhile, Justin's career is skyrocketing and he never said anything like, oh, I'm sorry. Oh, let me take some of the blame for that. They just over-sexualized this Black woman and said, oh, you exposed yourself during this family fun event. And so then she had to retreat and be out of the public eye. So when I say like, you messed up her coins, I mean, you messed up her exposure. Like, and then was heckled in the reputation after mm-hmm. that. If y'all mm-hmm. remember, once she moved across seas, they like were on her like vultures reporting on any sort of like her body. They were constantly commenting on her body, any weight gain she had, how she wore her. I mean, everything. And it's they like they were picking her apart. Black women already have that struggle. Like, and so when you talk, when you say that like she lost coins, it's like she lost brand deals. She lost people who will interview her. She lost all of those things. And that's how entertainers make their money. And so and keep in mind, she's been an entertainer since she was a child. That's and all you just killed her reputation in like five seconds. Five seconds. Mm-hmm. Yep. And so for But the, it's crazy. I'm sorry, Ari, go ahead. I was gonna say it's crazy. Um, I was gonna not so much as shift gears, but add, like it's crazy how 
the the media or the public eye can within seconds rip apart a black woman like with uh princess Mm -hmm. megan like her well after she had the baby Mm -hmm. and you know they had to like literally take that that picture right after she had the baby and everybody was like oh my gosh she looked a hot mess why is it that we as black women we can't we can't allow our bodies to stretch being and that like, was double like I'm giving life. Not only is that a royal tradition, which should, which is terrible for any woman, but y'all knew this black woman was struggling. Y'all knew that this country was ripping her apart in the media from the moment they right. announced their engagement, and y'all continuously put her in situations that compromise her mental, her mental and physical well being. So Shout it's doubly compounded. Because, uh, Ayana, you are so right. Like, Kate had to do it. I believe that's um, mm-hmm. the other princess's name, Kate. She had to do it. But mm-hmm. the difference is, Kate, nowhere near as much scrutiny as Megan got. They no love idea. Kate. Like, Kate is already judged as a woman. Because let's not get it twisted. There are certain things, just as a woman, we are mm-hmm. judged for but mm-hmm. as a black woman, and I couldn't even tell Megan was black, but yet when they knew she was black, when they said, oh, when they, okay, we about to judge you, judge you. Okay, move out the way. <laughs> We're done with you. And so that is, it's it's horrific. I think that's the word. And there's no reason for it. It is no reason for yeah. it. Because what has this woman done to y'all? y'all none, none of y'all know her personally. None of y'all should care that much ayana what has this woman the, done being a black woman your existence is the bothers people bothers um, people. and yes and i say that because they they shunned and judged janet they shunned and judged megan they even did it to beyonce mm-hmm. queen beyonce. Like, when beyonce, like when beyonce got pregnant oh did she get work done Oh, her boobs look different. Oh, like um, oh, when she, she performed is at the carrying... Super Bowl and they wore the the Black Panther outfits, then white people were Listen. mad. So yeah, well, it's there a is lot. nothing that you can do right. And I'm gonna go ahead and like throw my bid in because I love me some Beyonce. When she was pregnant with Blue Ivy, we said, mm. "Oh, she's not pregnant. Look at mm-hmm. her stomach. She must have a surrogate. Everything is done in secret because we hate the idea of this woman looking still beautiful and getting it done." pregnant but then when she got pregnant with the twins and she was visibly tired because she was carrying two life forms we're like oh she looked bad pregnant she needs work done she's this she's that so which is it what do you want i'm flawless i'm doing it but i'm not flawless and i'm tired carrying twins and you don't like that either so Mm -hmm. basically not to even mention like she has shared peace not even a lot but she's shared the journey that she's had with Miss to get back yes to get these and, babies and to here pick her apart that way and to pick her children apart that way when Blue Ivy was a miracle baby for them like mm-hmm. that is horrible if you don't like black women just say that because that's just all man basically say, thank you we how often do we say that <laughs> like <Right>. we, <laughs> if you just don't like black women say we just say, say that a lot y'all get used to that phrase we are fine with that. Just don't drag us into your mess. Like, if Thank you don't you. like us, you know, go do your thing. Um, don't have to slander Black women to do that. Right. I want to, I, I do want to say what I'm doing for Black history myself, because I think it's important. Um, 
And so I am reading to Ayana. I'm actually audiobooking um, the autobiography of Malcolm X. I've had the physical copy book a long time, but thanks to Audible, I don't have to sit down and read it. Um, so I'm listening to it and it's illustrated by Lawrence Fishburne and it's actually pretty good. So that's one thing I'm doing. And also I think it's very important to say that I am choosing Black Joy in this mm -hmm. month. Um, and so a lot of things that, you know, I've been sent, if it has to do with Black trauma, I am choosing not to entertain it. If it has to do with Black stupidity, you know, and people like mocking Black women, I am choosing not to entertain it. And so when I mean by Black stupidity, I mean like, black people who aren't supporting other black people and mocking them and bringing them down so i don't say that to be offensive but i'm choosing to watch little black babies just enjoy their life i'm choosing to watch these talented entertainers put out beautiful music that like makes us happy i know cardi b just put out up um and although i don't care for the song i'm i'm seeing the challenges people are putting out to her i've seen a little drummer boy i mean amazing what these people are doing that yeah. was fire fire and so I'm choosing to watch and share and look at that stuff I'm following more black mental health pages so mm. that's what I'm doing for black history month I am choosing to not educate you know people on black history and letting them google things themselves um, <laughs> because I've seen so many this was the first african-american woman or this was the first african-american man no sweetie that was the first american to do it and I've had to correct people and I'm like I'm gonna choose not to do that. I'm gonna let them Google it. You know, get your facts right if you're trying to share facts. Like choosing Black Joy, that's that's real. Cause I was talking to my supervisor about that. Um, he was talking to me in our one-on-one and I was like, you know, when we talk about social, social justice, they automatically talk about like, like police brutality. Like, no, like I don't, I don't wanna, because we're talking about a social justice um, training institute. And so he was saying like, hey, like, this is what it is. This is I'm thinking about sending some of you all there. Like, okay, cool. I was like, I don't, I, I get to experience being black every day. Right. I don't want to go through a training that reminds me that I'm black. And so when it comes to learning about social justice, if it's only talking about being black, I don't want it. Right. I'm tired. <laughs> the problem is as professionals in the field that we are in student affairs, we get tapped for the diversity committee. We get tapped mm. for inclusive committee. How can we make this better? And I don't mind sharing those things. Don't get me wrong, but it's always assumed that that's our passion area. That is not my passion area. That is mm -mm. my experience. And when we and say we want to be in another area, we get pushed towards diversity and inclusion anyway or in that area they ask us about how we can make it more inclusive and that's so, the thing it's like that's not that's not my area of expertise you only see that it's because that's my experience as a black person I have to you know be worried about social justice issues because that is my experience but that don't mean that I gotta be on the committees that don't mean that I gotta go to all the trainings I live it because those trainings I'm, if we're going to be for real snitching up in here, those trainings are triggering and traumatic because we know we are sitting in a space with people who have said and done racist things right. mm -hmm. and who will who have sat through other trainings with us and will leave this training continuing to say and do racist things. Right. And so having basic level conversations about 
this is privilege. This is the psychosocialization. This is this. This is like we need to have real conversations about actual behaviors that we need to to stop engaging in. Right. We need to make policy changes. We need to start putting black and brown people on hiring committees. Like we need black women and black men in leadership positions on the admin team. Like unless you're doing those things, stop. And it, trying to get me to be on these committees. It can go to the like lowest form too, Ayana, because you're completely right. Like we're having these basic conversations because people aren't understanding basic concepts. And that's why we're mm-hmm. having basic conversations. Because what gets me, and we've all experienced this before at the same institution, is when people are saying, I'm doing this, I'm doing that. But then when we go to these diversity trainings and we have these discussions, crickets. Listen. No one is saying anything. Baby. And if you're not saying anything to professional staff, I know you're not saying anything to your students. Absolutely not. Because and so it, the black students on your staff are getting harassed. And then coming to us for support. And then somehow mysteriously always get fired in the middle of the year. Listen, baby. Because Imagine. When I say my voice carried a little bit, y'all know my voice stayed at a, at a two. <laughs> that right there that was a trigger for me like no sweetheart why is it that out of 140 something RAs only five look like us five Ariel what does the professional staff look like let me ask you that correct out of 17 there was three and one of us was a grad student Let's take it you, back. You before, had four, Evelyn Man. Before, no, before you all you got right. there. You right. Before Ariel joined the clique and making us feel like Wakanda, <laughs> it was only two of us professional staff. And I had a student come to me and say, oh, we're, we're doing diversity hires. Where at? First off, I'm offended that you said that because you just discredited me and all of my experience because you Listen. called me a diversity hire. But if I am a diversity hire, y'all are doing a very bad job of it because as I look around I'm the only black professional right now only black woman professional excuse me so y'all are doing a horrible job clean it up clean it up and first you're wrong one I got hired because I know what I'm doing but again if that's what you're sad about because you can't get a job as a privileged white woman we're doing a mighty bad job but you know what? These those children were bold as fuck. <laughs> <laughs> like no other. Because like we, when, when Trump came, yeah. oh, when Trump, when Trump came, came, oh, that was it. That was baby. It. Cardi said, "If it's up, then it's stuck." Baby, when Trump came, I was about that life, and I had to go home in order to yeah, keep. Yeah, we all pieced out. I pieced out that weekend. I had to go. And again, that's why I say I'm choosing Black Joy. And so <laughs> if someone comes to me with the bullshit this month, um, it's Black History Month. We're not. We're not I, engaging in ridiculous Not during Black History Month. Catch me on March 1st. Did y'all see that meme? Um, where Better yet, like, catch me on February 30th. How you're celebrating Black History Month. It was a video and this white lady, she was talking and she was just like, you know, I don't understand why people look so cute when they run. And then He's like, shut the fuck up. It's Black History Month. Bitch, move. It's Black History Month. 
that's how I feel. <laughs> that's how I feel. Okay, with that great laugh, we're going to transition into our topic of the week. Or get myself situated. Okay, so y'all, so we're going to jump into the topic of the week. So this week we are talking about burnout. And so we decided to talk about this topic because one, it has been extremely personal to me over the past, I don't know, I would say like June when I came, I went to see Evelyn back in June and around that point, and I knew she could tell, like I just was not well. I was not physically well. I was not mentally well. Like I was, I was done and I was tired. And so the definition of burnout that I found really just describes burnout as like physical and mental collapse caused by overwork or stress. Overwork and stress has been my life since March 2020 when COVID hit and the university had to figure it, scramble to figure stuff out. And it was my birthday and I had the flu and I burst blood vessels in my eye and things just never got better. The year didn't get better from there. It only went down, right? And so for me, what burnout looked like was different from what I thought it would look like. I thought I knew what my body needed when it was stressed. And I thought, you know, these, I thought I knew my body, but I didn't. So my question to you all is, have you ever experienced burnout? And if you have, what were the signs and how did you get to a better space? That's another question. And hell yes to your question. When we were at our institution, <laughs> Claiming it is our institution, yes. We were at our institution, really y'all's, because y'all was there before me. Um, it was after y'all left, and I realized that I was being forced out um, because I was speaking on the issues of the Black and Brown students. Um, I noticed that my workload, I got more, I got more responsible for more things without telling me, without them informing me of my responsibilities. And for me, burnout looked like not eating, um, not wanting to do the things that I love, um, so like dancing. Um, I got to the point where like, I didn't even want to like talk to my partner at the time and our relationship was strained because it was just like, I don't want to do anything. Like, let me go to this job and let me go home and go to sleep. And it got to the point where I became anxious um, and anxiety kicked in for me, and then uh, depression as well. And to answer the question of how did I get myself better, I got the fuck up out of there. I left. And when I left, y'all, no lie, when I left, though the residue of anxiety and depression was still there, that the initial weight of how I felt while there it, it was no longer there. And my su supervisor at the time happened to say, well, wait, 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 why are you leaving? Because if you leave, this makes me look bad. I wanted to have a sit down with you. Excuse me? Yeah, yeah. 
wanted to have a sit down with me about why I was leaving after I put my two weeks in. So yeah. You ain't got to ask. You know. Ariel. They um, knew. I guess I'll start backwards. Uh, what did I do? I got the fuck out, like you said. <laughs> um, because I think sometimes that's the only way you can, you know, handle the burnout. Um, but I wrote it down. So you said what it looks like. So for me, mentally, what burnout looks like and I'm having to put myself back in that space of when I was in that situation. And it's, if our institution didn't do one thing, it brought us together and I'm so very grateful for that. But it also like helped me understand who I truly was as a person when things get super tough. Um, because I feel like that was the first time I've ever mentally experienced a breakdown. Um, so for me, like mentally, it was confusion. I was like confused because I've never been in a space to where, you know, I don't understand why I'm feeling so sad, why I'm feeling so depressed. What is wrong with me is the question that I kept asking myself. And I remember one day, um, the first year I was at the institution, I was sitting in my car and I asked myself that question multiple times before that, you know, moment I was sitting in my car and I said, Evelyn, you're not happy. Um, and from there, like, you know, I wanted to go to counseling and things of that nature. And so physically, and I don't think I've ever shared this with you all, but I started having trouble breathing. And so I remember one time I was um, coming from a fast food restaurant and I, someone must've called me on the duty phone or I must've got a, a text or something from one of my uh, people I supervised. And I just, I had the hardest time breathing. And I don't know if it was a panic attack or what, but I was like, something is wrong. So that's what burnout looked like for me. It was a lot of second guessing myself. It was a lot of sadness. It was a lot of, you know, what's really wrong with me. And so those are also, you know, that's the signs. And then how did I get to a better space? I honestly, you know, I got a little bit more comfortable with, saying if it's past five, if you're not bleeding, if you're not you know, about to die, this is not an emergency. Um, and so I had to work through some of that guilt because as someone who you know, was the only black woman professional there you know, for a year before Ariel came, um, it was one of those things where I felt like I had to do 100% and a half so 150% in order to, you know, be great. But I had to get and work past some of that guilt. It's just like, I'm doing my job. I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing. And I'm not going to have anybody question that, including myself. And so that's kind of how I work past that burnout and just making time for myself. And I credit y'all because y'all helped a lot with that. If I didn't have y'all in order to just have a social life, I don't think I would have, and I didn't make it through the second year almost, but I really don't think I would have made it that year. I, you spoke to so many, I like really treat my episodes that like, I'm like taking over as like research opportunities. And so I, <laughs> I went and scoured the internet for various things. And I, y'all both spoke to so many different things. I have things broken down in categories, like I'm doing a dang lesson plan, but 
that's neither here nor there. I'm working on my profession perfectionist tendencies as well. But y'all spoke to stuff that's rooted in racialized trauma. You spoke to stuff that's just rooted in the trauma of the work that we do, having to be duty and crisis response people for all types of situation. No one's talking to you, Siri. For all types of situations, right? And when that phone rings, you never know what it's going to be when you answer it. You don't know. It could be a flood or it could be an assault. It could be an attempt to complete suicide. It could be anything. And that stress, that trauma is so real to the point that my therapist told me to quit my job back in November. My therapist told me that my job was triggering my own traumas and that it was triggering anxiety for me. Mm-hmm. And that my job was the root and the trigger cause of the deep depression that I was in during that time to the point that I was tearful. Like, and I'm not a person who cries more than once or twice a year. I was crying every other day for months. And simply because I didn't feel like I had the ability to take a break. I didn't feel like I could tap out, you know, and we have been in this go, go, go mode. And we don't necessarily, we don't talk a lot about what we do, but we all work in university housing. And if anyone on any campus can tell you anything about COVID-19, they will tell, housing has not stopped. If anybody, and, and particularly at our university, like we are housing and dining units. Students have to have somewhere to live and they have to be fed whether they have COVID or not. Because some students don't have good relationships with their families and they don't have anywhere else to go. We have to house them. When all the other buildings shut down and we had to consolidate all the students on campus to one building, my building was that lucky building. And so we had to supervise new staff members. We had, it turned our lives upside down in a way that we never would have expected and now we're working and we're working through some of those things now that we've kind of gotten a hang of it but what has happened in the meantime is a lot of professionals particularly professionals of color have reached their burnout place because when you combine COVID-19 and what was happening with what is happening with that on top of the racialized trauma of having to live in America right now as a person of color, if you haven't watched the news, get out from under your rock, like they hate us out here. And so we're fighting for our physical health, not only from a disease that is sweeping across the world, but from the people who could be our neighbors. Right. Who could be the people we work with. And that's scary. Ayana, I think you made terrifying. A, I think you made a really good point. Um, and I kind of want to take it back to that really quickly, just to get a scope, like to give people like an un- understanding. Um, when you said that we've been go, go, go since COVID, that is so very true. But before COVID, the first thing I've always known about housing is if you want to take a break, plan to do it, because it's never going to be where it's not go, go, go. Um, and our former supervisor told me that after I broke down crying in her office, um, 
I was like, you know, once I get a routine going, I'm gonna be good. Once things slow down after moving, she said, don't do that. Because after after training in July, you got moving in August. And after that, you got midterms. And after that, you have, you know, move out in December. It's never going to come a time where it's not go, go, go. Um, and after so, you have move out in December, you're you preparing for spring in. training. And move then for January. Right. Correct. And then, and then you have summer Correct. And it starts move. all, we never But don't stop. forget about move out in the spring with that about short, that short turnaround period where you got to get the rooms flipped and clean for right. someone moving in. And so and half your staff is graduating. For me, and I don't run a building anymore. And so that's a part of my understanding what burnout looks like for me, because I said, okay, this is not for me. I want to strictly work with students. And then, so when you hit that, we are also battling a physical disease and we're battling a mental disease, which is like the racism. We are also black professionals and PWIs that have to take mm. care of our students who are black, who are battling these same things, who may not have you know parents to go to or support systems to go to. And in my case, I'm a case manager. So they come to me. And, you know, we all know how that is, especially if you don't have case managers on your campus, they come to y'all. Mm -hmm. And I think that kind of covered my second question is like, how does our work contribute to burnout? Like the, the work that we do is not, and I, and I think people get the wrong impression of what it means to be a student affairs professional or to be a residence hall director, like, oh, you live in the building, you don't pay rent. Um, my rent is every time I have to pick up this duty phone. Okay. My rent is when a situation goes down in my building and it's below zero and the RD on call needs me to handle the situation because their car is frozen or the squirrels ate their brakes. Like, I'm here, my, so I got to handle it. My rent is my students knowing where I live and knocking on my door for And knocking problems. on my door in the middle Instead of Instead of going to the RA. My yeah. rent is having to facilitate conversations about race and being racist without having my own bias and opinions and emotions in those conversations as well and being fair, mediating that conversation. When my job is supporting boy, students I know have called their roommates the N-word, but providing them with services when they've been assaulted. Like that is... I think I've had this conversation too, because sometimes as a almost 30 year old, you have to explain to people you live on campus and what that looks like and what's that being. So I had someone, girl, I was just about to get to that. I had someone <laughs> I was dating who happened to be a lawyer um, and I'm gonna just put all his credentials out there. Um, so he was a doctor, he was a JD. And um, I was like, okay, well, um, I can't do this this weekend because I'm on duty. So I got to be on campus. And he was like, well, do you really got to be on campus? Like, what's going to happen? Like, minimizing basically what I do. Sir, I don't think you understand. I save lives. And I don't say that to, like, big up myself. But that is the reality. Not only do I talk about race, not only do I handle roommate confrontation. Mind you, we are dealing with 18 to 24, 25-year-olds. These are grown people. So these are people who overdose, who take drugs, who deal with sexual assault, who try to complete suicide. There, I cannot count on two fingers 
how many times I've talked to someone who had suicidal thoughts. I can count on all of my extremities how many times. That is common to us. And we rattle this stuff off in duty logs and we rattle this stuff off the supervisors like this is a norm when we're carrying that trauma. When I am sitting at 2 a.m. in the morning talking to someone and saying, I think you need to go to the hospital because you're not healthy right now. Right. When I'm standing between a student and the paramedics, a student who's refusing help, and we've watched them spiral for weeks, and we've called the paramedics every night to come help them and to take them, and they've and they refuse to take them, but the student is spiraling. The student has shaved their head. The student has done this. The student has done Lord knows what, barricaded rooms. Like we've seen it all only to, to be the only person advocating for the student at the end of the day. And we our parents aren't tomorrow. here to do that. To do it all again tomorrow. Right. And have to be that's at the, your desk by 9 a.m. And listen, that's a lot. Like I, I remember, I remember having to, respond to a domestic violence call um, in our apartment when I was in California. And she had gotten a restraining order on him, let him back in the apartment. And then he began to hit on her again. And having to, it's like that, that, that scene in Pea Valley when Miss Mississippi uh-huh. pulled the gun out on Diamond right he is fighting for your he's fighting for your honor to save you and you're so caught up in this cycle of trauma and toxic relationships that like you now want to protect the person who's been beating your ass and it was literally that like hey like we're here like why are you arresting him i'm not putting i'm not i'm not pressing charges against him like sweetheart you are leaking this messed up your your nose is leaking you you can tell he's been going to town in your face and you're not pressing charges but you have a restraining order but ariel and that's the thing too it's like you pull up to that situation and then they expect you to go home and go to sleep and you know and be fine and be okay but that's just not possible because not only is this student not pressing charges, but this is going to be a student who continuously passes you each and every day. And you got to wonder, is she okay? Is she fine? Is she going to be alive the next morning? And then they expect us again, like Ayanna says, to wake up, go to your desk at 9 a.m. and be okay and do it again. But it's okay because you don't pay rent. <laughs> make it make sense. Y'all, there is so much that comes, and and there are pieces of this that are directly rooted in our Black womanhood. I can't tell you how many times I've had a tough duty week or tough, you know, just month in general with like things just happening back to back, having parents on my back. Like sometimes these parents, I'm not going to get on the parents, but some of these parents, really get on the phone and get out of pocket and the thing about me is I don't argue with my own mama I don't have to argue with yours so they usually at the end of the day end up having to call me back and apologize because I will let you I will let them yell at me and I will let them act as crazy as they want to and I will stay consistent with my response and when they call above me and get the same response they come and they're sent back down to me they have to apologize. So 
I mean, it is honestly just one of those things we have to deal with all the time of just having various things, having parents, having facility issues, having duty and having student staff who need things, having your own work to do, the mentoring you have to do because you are the only black one of like maybe a handful of black professionals. So you're known as the person that people can come to, you know? And so there's a lot of things that come with that only to have your other staff members and your supervisor say, you got it, you're so strong, you're so resilient. I have no doubts you can handle this. You're such a strong person. Or, to or you're not doing enough. Or you're not doing enough or to question my- experience. I wanna see you step up more. Or to, yeah, or to question if I'm doing enough or to question if I know what I'm doing. I cannot tell you how many times that I've had things mansplained to me that are the simplest things to the point that I am just flabbergasted and I cannot say anything back. I've had someone explain, ask me, do I need them to explain to me how to read a PowerPoint? A PowerPoint for a class that I'm teaching? No, I don't need you to explain that. But what do I say to that? I also think it's really funny that your question was, have you ever experienced burnout, period. And like, as student affairs professionals, we directly went to our jobs. Mm -hmm. That's sad. That is so sad. Because when it I- If it wasn't for my job, where else would I experience burnout? Because there's so- as, as a student, I could have went to grad, you said, have you ever experienced burnout? I didn't say, I went to grad school for public administration. You know, I studied for comps. I've done all these things. I didn't say grad school. I didn't say undergrad. I didn't say with family. I said work. I, I sleepwalked. I, I literally sleepwalked through my master's degree. And you, people might think that sounds arrogant. People might think, oh, that program was BS. Think whatever you want to think. But I sleepwalked through my master's program. I wrote 10 page research papers the night before and I do not feel the level of stress in that that I feel in this job. And yeah. that that's ridiculous. Speak on it. And that's what I'm saying. Like my master's degree, like although I didn't stress as much as this job, my grad assistantship, I didn't stress as much, you know. Mine I cannot say that. <laughs> y'all were there with me and you can say, that's what's sad about it it's just kind of like when you get into this field everything else is like it doesn't even matter anymore I think sometimes my whole life is my job and so I really be having to check in with myself yes and my mom gave me this advice when I was at our old institution you know and she says listen Evelyn if something happened to you them folks gonna replace you period listen you can't replace yourself they're going to replace you before your body yeah. even turn cold. Like the, the, the job description and the application is going to be up before you will be even ready. turn cold. Right. And My that's what stepdad told me to quit. He was like, listen, bring your ass home. Quote for quote. That is literally what he said. When, <laughs> after I had quit, well, after I put my two weeks notice in and he wanted to have that, I, the supervisor wanted to have that conversation about how me quitting makes them look bad. I can't do nothing for you because you clearly can't do anything for me. Come on. So therefore, you know, I've tried this thing called working for you for what now, what, three, four months now after my friends left? 
it's not the same no more but what i really want to go back to is the physical and the physical and mental impacts that this really has on black women like i really pulled from an article that that it talked about the statistics on like the how black women struggle with ptsd anxiety depression and it makes you age it ages us and so it's like these jobs are literally stealing our youth from our bodies and we're letting them because we think that we are the ones that are going to bring up the next group of black people behind us and we can't stand the thought of leaving them behind i think i was watching blackish and they made a great point it's gotta stop being on us we cannot black women black people whatever it's gotta stop being on us like we got to stop taking that guilt of bringing up the next one. And yes, I'm going to do that because I'm going to make sure I hold the door open for my people. But I can't be the only one. I can't always lead the diversity committee. You know, I can't always think about, oh, let me make sure I sit on the hiring board so they can, you know, make sure they're doing non-racist practices. Mm-hmm. So People are going to have to start stepping up. Because the next thing you know, there's a black woman with 10 items on her plate and a white man or a white woman with two or three. And they're asking us why we're not performing at the same rate as Chad and Becky. Well, we got different workloads. Well, Deborah. (laughs) Well, Deborah. (laughs) It's because I'm doing the job of multiple people. And no one wants to acknowledge that. In fact, Y'all are committed to making it look like I don't do my job. Mm-hmm. That's such a good point. So you said, Ayana, or you asked us rather, how we deal with burnout. And so considering you are still in the midst of it, how are you dealing with it? Like, what are you doing? Well, I let myself cry now. I try not to beat myself up about it. Um, I've been working through that in therapy. So I'm really just trying to like let myself have my moments because like I have my own battles with my mental health. Anxiety is real, depression is real. Like I I need help and that's okay. And so I think coming to terms with that and just like being willing to work through those things and acknowledge that like this job cannot be my whole life. In fact, this job needs to not be (laughs) a part of my life. Um, It has been hard because this is the work that I chose because I love it, because I want to help develop other people because being there for others does something good for me. And I want to continue to contribute to the development of others. Like I love watching my students get something they've never gotten before. I love watching them come in, not being scared and unwilling to engage in conflict and then leave and can confront anything, anywhere, any place. Like I love seeing that development. And so it's hard to come to terms with this work being a trigger for me. But the way that I'm dealing with it is I've been exercising, I've been devoting myself to coming up with new routines, working on my skincare, trying to keep a consistent hair routine, like really leaning into routines and 
listening to my body, even with, you know, us saying, you know, we're going to get up early in the mornings. There are some mornings my body is like, no, we need more sleep. So we're going to get more sleep. There are days when, you know, I might drink 100 ounces of water. There are days I drink 20 or less. And so I'm just letting my body do what my body needs. And I think that that is helping. And I'm being honest with the people around me. If I can't do it, I can't do it. Right. If I don't want to do it, I don't want to do it. You made a really good point. Giving yourself grace and being honest. That's sometimes the hardest thing to do with yourself because it's like when you see yourself in this way of like, I have to get this right or I have to get this done, like that perfectionist um, mindset, how y'all talked about earlier, is like, what happened? What am I telling myself when I don't meet the mark or right. don't make the, the goal mm-hmm. or the task this time around? Am I telling myself I'm not good enough? Am I telling myself that like, you should, you should know better, you should do better? Um, or you get... Or, or are you giving yourself that grace? Um, that's something that I'm, I struggle with, but I'm still learning. And so I applaud you for giving yourself grace because that shit is hard. Yeah, I think that shit is hard. I think that's the perfect way to like say it though, is give yourself some grace because we are continuously growing, continuously learning as human beings, relatively young humans, right? Even though this job ages us. But I tell my students that as well, like we're living in a panorama, you know, like a Panera bread. And so give yourself some grace. Like I've never had to, you know, have 18 credit hours, go to six classes online as a student doing a pandemonium. And so my thing is just kind of like, you are killing it. If you are making C's, B's, whatever, if you are showing up, you are killing it. And also, like Ayana, you said you're listening to your body. That is something that's always a continuous journey for me because I am just now learning how to check in with my body. And in all areas of life, it doesn't go right. Sometimes I don't listen to it, but I'm getting better and better at it. So like like you said, if I need to sleep in the morning, I am going to sleep in the morning. You know, if something feels off, I am going to not keep pushing through. I'm going to say, hey, Evelyn, something feels off. Turn off that, you know, fighter mode turn off that survival mode and check in with yourself on why it is so I think that's That's true a really good point especially when you're talking about burnout because the the problem is we're already burned out we're lighting both ends of the matches but we never check in with ourselves until our matches all the way burn listen let me tell you how burnt out I was how tired I was y'all Yesterday, I fell asleep on my couch at eight o'clock. Eight o'clock, like eight p.m. Y'all, <laughs> I slept on my couch from eight p.m. to one o'clock in the morning. Got up off my couch, went, got in the bed. It was sleeping in my bed from one to eight thirty a.m. I slept for ten hours, y'all, because y'all, I was tired. You know, it ain't nothing for me to sleep. I've been doing that like I've been sleeping and y'all know how I used to struggle with sleep y'all would talk about me bad when I was in grad school I'd be up all night like three in the morning I'm up and my friends knew like I was gonna be the person who was gonna be up not now my phone's on do not disturb and to tell you the truth somebody texted me at 9 15 p.m the other night I didn't see it till I woke up the next day I was asleep okay I'm sorry to tell you 
It's a whole panoramic out here and I'm tired. I'm tired. Yeah, like I think someone had jumped into the uh, the duty, the group me, and they were like, hey, everybody, these duty coverings need covered. Let's figure out how to work together. I can't do that. That's the first thing. I'm the first person to answer. <laughs> I can't do that. I've covered what I was supposed to cover. Y'all figure that out. PTO. That's what I'm taking. Prepare the others as Ariel would say. And that was me this year when it came to duty because I realized last year, every time there were extra days, every time I'm always the first person to be willing to switch with people. I gave up the days I wanted because my friends didn't want to, like I knew they wanted to go see their families and their specific days they wanted. I had the extra weeks and weekends. I mean, I was on duty constantly. This year I had the least duty all my I have duty maybe once once a month and it's spread all the way out and when they asked us to sign up for Q&I shifts my first question was is it mandatory come on because we got to start is it mandatory mandatory? the answer was yes we had to sign up for at least one shift and I signed up for one shift I think Shonda Rhimes wrote a book called the year of yes and I think I'm gonna write one called the year of no because honestly hell no hell no because i'm tired of always saying yes and always just so i won't be labeled as the angry black girl or you know the the black girl who doesn't carry her weight because last year during a pandemic like i am working on almost up until christmas eve because i switched duty coverage with someone so they can go see their family meanwhile my family is seven hours away so it's like we got to stop acting ourselves as though we are not home. You know what I'm saying? As though we don't have other obligations. We play the we play the role as a superhero. We come in and save the fucking day for these our white counterparts to make sure that they like it's like you said like I'm a team player. I can be a team player and still tell your ass hell no. Come on. But there was a, a young black woman in this, uh, you know, black woman in housing group that I'm in. I want to say her name's Chelsea. And she held this um, seminar and she was holding them like every Wednesday, just helping to pour into other black women. And she had one called taking off the cape. Love and it. when I tell y'all, she read me for Phil, let them fail, she said. The best way they're going to learn is to let them fail. Stop saving them. Take right. off the cake. I took it off. It's off. Yeah. Fail without because, me. Because what the Incredibles reminded us about wearing capes, that cape gonna get your ass caught up and killed. Cake Dangerous. Up. I love that. Dangerous. And then also, I think when you take off that cape and you're not showing up, it lets them know that, oh, I've been taking this person for granted because I need that person. And it lets you know who really cares about you and your well-being. Mm -hmm. Who is still going to be there for you when you stop doing for others all the things they never even had time to do for you. Right. And that applies to more than just work because I know student affairs professionals are my automatically goes to our job because like, this is not a nine to five job. You know, this is a, a nine to whenever you quit job because it just, it always goes like that. But and everything in relationships and family dynamics, like take off the cape, 
it'll be okay. Let them fail. Let them find another superhero until you decide that you want to put it back on or if you decide you don't want to put it back. That's up to you. Well, I think that really wraps up our conversation about burnout. I think this really could be, I think this really ties into another conversation we've been wanting to have. And so next time we might bring in some other folks to contribute to the conversation um, who really study and dig deep into this work of, you know, the Black woman's experience um, within higher education and what that really looks like. Because I think that's what we really kept circling back to because that's where we really experience burnout is in our work. Um, So I think we're going to come back to that at a later, in a later episode. Thank you. Very good. All right, y'all, let's hop into the wind down. So what are you all drinking and what are you doing to take care of yourself? Okay. So I was drinking glorious margarita, strawberry margarita to be exact. So I'm, I'm feeling myself like Beyonce um, into what am I doing to take care of myself this week? Sleeping. I told y'all earlier I took a 10-hour nap. It was supposed to be, y'all, it was supposed to be a 30-minute nap on the couch. <laughs> that turned you went to, to sleep. bed. I did. <laughs> you went to bed. And you knew so, that when you laid down there, so don't sleeping. even. Sleeping. I am sleeping, y'all. I'm being okay with that. Ariel, I think you might have sent it. I'm not sure. Maybe you didn't. But I seen something on the internet and I should have put it in our group chat, but it was this woman and she was just like 30 minute little nap. You know, I'm gonna take this break. Take oh yes. And she woke up and it was dark outside. Dark. She was like, oh, I'm shit. Yes. <laughs> it was like an Amazon yes. driver or something. I'm like, this is why yes. I get my prime packages on time. That's why Listen. I ain't got my Amazon package yet. <laughs> Please. Listen, Ariel, that be me. One thing about you, let's not fake the fun. If you ain't gonna do nothing else, you gonna take a nap. Girl, period. A nap. I'm gonna let y'all. I'm gonna go sleep for a little bit. She gonna y'all take call a me. Nap. Listen, y'all call me at nine forty so I can get a permanent nap. For real, she gonna take a nap and she gonna have a snack. And I y'all call me over here snacking. If she got a snack, that mean I got a snack. In the back, <laughs> listen. In the back of me, like, what y'all eating? <laughs> Literally, I got club crackers. I got some blue diamond honey roasted almonds. Listen, I got some. With you. Ariel's the reason why to this day I always have a snack somewhere because somebody's Listen. always gonna want one. Someone always wants a snack, especially on Listen. these You gotta stay up some kind of way. What I am drinking on is Bold Rock. It's I think it's special to North Carolina. So it's a hard seltzer. And so I was actually out before we started recording and I had a, a, a hard apple cider. It was Bold Rock. It was really good. Um, and then I have some in the refrigerator. So I came home and got another one. And this is a cucumber melon. So I'm actually sipping on that. And that's probably why my eyes is super heavy, but it's only 4.5% alcohol. So it's not that bad. Um, and then self-care goes back into what we were talking about when Ayana says, like, listening to your body. I am learning how to check in with myself and actually listen to myself like this morning I woke up at like six you know I'm still waking up even I didn't text y'all I'm still waking up and I just like sat up um crisscrossed applesauce on the bed and just like chilled out for a moment and I did that until like I got up for work 
And so I think that's what I've been doing, you know, for self-care, just checking in on myself and listening to my myself actually. Ayana, what have you been doing and what are you drinking on? Water. Um <laughs> we love I've been, yeah, I we've been doing this water challenge and so I've been trying to help out my area. Jason hit me with that I am the other day of why I haven't been tracking my water. I'm like, all right, dude, I got you. I got you. We're never going to win. One of our other coworkers, another Black woman that I love, drinks like two gallons of water a day. So we're not beating her area. She's drinking enough water for the whole area. So, <laughs> you know, but I, I, I'm going to contribute. So I'm, I've been doing better. I've been drinking my water. And of course, um, my tequila at night with my dinner. I've been making various tequila drinks that's been my thing this week. And I feel like that's been some part of my self-care because I've been cooking. I ordered some meal delivery boxes and it's been really nice because it's been very, very cold here, like 11 degrees mm-hmm. is like an average for the day. And so really not trying to go out, not trying to order anything in these COVID times. So my self-care has really looked like cooking getting up early laying in my bed and then cleaning my room a little bit at a time because I really in my depression I let stuff get out of hand and so my room all my clothes are clean but none of them are put away I feel bad all my shoes I have all my shoes are in disarray and that's how you can tell when I'm not doing well like if you've ever seen like my closet like my closet's in order by sleeve length and color so the fact that my clothes are all over my room is a problem. It's a very real problem. So I've been slowly working on getting my life back in order now that I'm like feeling better and I feel like I, I'm in a better headspace to do that. So I vacuumed this week. I put away some clothes. I've done some laundry and I've just been piece by piece every day, just like putting stuff away. And then I've been cooking dinner and making my little tequila mixed drinks. So it's been good. Small steps lead to a big journey. So Amen. They do. I'm listening to us, y'all, and I think it's so funny. I'm like, they don't think we alcoholics, bro. But <laughs> we are all well past 21. We grown. We are grown, grown. grown. I love to say I'm grown. Like, as my students, I'd be like, I am grown. Um, mm-hmm. And so we drink responsibly. Absolutely. But where am I going? Where am I pandemic? going? It's a whole uh, pandemonium Panera Listen, because right now Dallas is looking like Dallas, uh, uh, Alaska. What 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 they doing here when everything is like twenty something degrees and next week is supposed to be fourteen? That's crazy. The tequila the tequila keeps me warm in the Midwest. Okay, Ex- like, listen the the minimum is zero. Love it, zero. Y'all, I want to shout out this um wine brand that I just figured out was Black Women Owned, which y'all what probably already know. But the McBride sisters. Yes. Uh-huh. I my coworker who has like a wine IGTV thing mm-hmm. has been like featuring them. New favorite. Have you drank it yet? Okay, I've not tried it. I'm gonna I am it. out of the loop. So right now. The McBride sisters. Um I like what is it called? Is it is it the black girl magic one? That that's a subset the of, of their company. Right. So okay. That's new. So it's actually called Just the McBride Sisters Wine. And so they've been rocking with that since I think, I want to say 1999. Uh, and it's two Black women, two sisters who didn't know they had the same father grew across. Uh, one grew up in California, one grew up in New Zealand um, and figured out, you know, they were sisters. Yeah, crazy, right? So they created McBride Sisters Wine. 
But in recent, like, you know, uh, with Black Girl Magic popping off, they created the Black Girl Magic um, wine under their brand. So when you mm-hmm. see that Black Girl Magic wine, it's not just random people who are like, oh, let's start a Black Girl Magic wine brand, which that would be cool too. But these are established uh, people in the industry. So I was like, that is super cool. So I believe they sell it at Target, Walmart. I'm looking it up right now. Celebrate Black business. Celebrate Black women. 365. What's what's more than 365? 366. Celebrate. This was great, y'all. As always. Is that a wrap? I appreciate this time. I think that's it. Is it a wrap? I think that's I think that's a wrap. Now, how can they find us, ladies? You can find me at erucker22 on Instagram. You can find me at ayana underscore monet94 on Instagram. You can find me, Ariel, on Instagram at darkhead underscore beauty. And you can find Black Women Snitching on IG Black women snitching with no G. Period. Bye, y'all, for coming along.